You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the Fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm here today with Louis Rigoni. Hello, Miami Dolphins. So, Louis, today we're going to look back through history uh, on the defensive side of the ball, and we're going to compare players uh, both decade by decade and uh, against each other and uh, see what we come out with. Okay, that sounds good. Sounds like some fun. I think it is. Uh, you know, just looking back through the ages, you know, trying to uh, find the standouts. And, uh, uh, you know, there were some guys that obviously didn't make the list, uh, you know, for whatever reason, uh, my biases or whatever the case may be. I'm sure you'll have guys that, that I didn't mention, and maybe I'll have some that you don't necessarily have on your list. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see where this all goes. Nice. So... You know, obviously, I started back uh, in the championship years and, and, you know, for defensive ends, which is where we're going to start. Okay. Um, I've got Vern Den Herter, who uh, was a the guy they drafted in the ninth round in 71. I looked at him as a blue-collar type player. You know, he wasn't the type of guy to rack up gaudy statistics. Uh, and, and the problem is they didn't keep a lot of statistics back then. So, uh, you know, a lot of the stats are unofficial or not to be found. But he was credited with ten and a half unofficial sacks in '71, and that was actually a half a sack behind his uh, partner Bill Stanfield. Right now, as I said, you know, official sack records weren't kept, so some of this is debatable. But he was a guy who was where you know he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there. Uh, he was a force clogging up the running lanes, and uh, running backs struggled to get outside of him when they ran the sweeps. He forced 14 fumbles throughout his career and actually played in 17 playoff games. Uh, now, Stanfill was, was a free agent in 69. Uh, he was a five-time Pro Bowler, uh, first-team All-Pro in 72, was second-team All-Pro in 73 and 74. Unofficially, he totaled 69 and a half sacks during his career. He recorded five sacks in a single game twice, once against the Jets in 73, and uh, once again against Buffalo in 74. Uh, he registered uh, 10 sacks in 1972. Now, how'd you look at those guys? They were probably our best tandem ever in regard to both of the guys playing ends together. Now, Den Herder, yeah, and the, I loved these type of guys, and I'm going to talk about a few others later on in the show, but I loved the guys that crossed over into – another generation of players. And Den Herder, the first guy you mentioned, did just that. He actually played on all those Super Bowl teams. He played for 11 seasons, as you mentioned. And he had 64 and a half uh, sacks unofficially uh, because they didn't record him back then. So he would have been five behind Stanfield. Five behind Stanfield. Played played four more seasons as a starter. Right. So, you know, he had a little bit more time to accumulate those sacks. But as a tandem on both sides of the, you know, the, the defensive line, they were both extremely, extremely good. And Den Herder, as I mentioned, crossed over into the Killer B defense at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't called the Killer Bees, but Bo Camper, Baumhauer, those guys were brought were on. Coming a- in, right? AJ Dewey were coming in. They would for- later on form the Killer Bees. And Den Herder played with those guys for quite a while, like five or six seasons. So 
I love those type of players, and um, he was there for a long time, and and both of them absolutely have to be on the list as two of our best defensive ends that have ever played for us, no question about it. Well, now we get into the killer bees. I've got uh, Doug Betters, who was a sixth-round pick in the 78 draft. Now, he spent his entire 10-year career in Aquan Orange. Mm-hmm. In 83, he was a first-team All-Pro and was selected to the Pro Bowl. Uh, he was named AP's Defensive Player of the Year that same year. He uh, accumulated 16 sacks in 83 and for his career had 43 and a half. Uh, Doug played in 13 playoff games and had two sacks and two fumble recoveries in those games. And then uh, Kim Bocamper. Uh, now, Kim was a first-round pick in 76. He spent the first four seasons at left outside linebacker, uh, where he accumulated three interceptions and two fumble recoveries along with a safety. Uh, then he was moved in uh, 82 to right defensive end after missing most of 1981 with an injury. Uh, at defensive end, he had 12 sacks, three interceptions, along with a touchdown. He played in 13 playoff games where he uh, contributed eight sacks. Yeah, I mean, those two guys, you know, fall right behind the first two guys we talked about in regard to rankings, I think. Uh, Betters was absolutely incredible in a few seasons, but, um, you know, he was average at times. And um, I absolutely love the guy. He was a big guy, big burly guy. And the funny thing about that tandem is is that Bo Camper was very undersized for a defensive end and got... Got muscled around a little bit when he had to go against a big offensive tackle. Um, but they were both extremely good football players. I mean, Bo Camper understood his job. Uh, he see, for his, he, Regardless of his size, he still always did a pretty good job at um, solidifying that end position, right. the right end, and Betters did the same thing on the opposite side. So another really, really good tandem of defensive ends and – you know, we haven't really had guys since those two on both ends of the uh, defensive line that have even come close to what these guys have done over a long period of time. We've had guys, you know, for maybe a season do it, but uh, never over, you know, the course of three, four, five seasons, which uh, Betters and Bo Camper did. So, uh, yeah, they're they're very, very good football players. Yeah, my only complaint with Bo Camper was that interception he just couldn't quite catch. The one Theismann knocked away from him in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, give you got to give Theismann credit on of that, course. Mike. I mean, of you know, course. I, he would have caught the football. It wasn't like he just flat out dropped it. I mean, he's got to get it at the highest point. He shouldn't know that. <laughs> It's not a receiver. (laughs) I know. I'm joking. (laughs) That's great. Great. Uh, Then we go on to Jeff Cross, who uh, came in in 1988. uh, Jeff was a ninth-round pick in the 88 draft. He did not miss a start from 89 to 93, playing both right defensive end and left defensive end. Uh, He forced 10 fumbles throughout his career. He made the Pro Bowl in 1990. Uh, He totaled 59 and a half sacks and. I thought he was equally as good against the run as he was against the pass. Yeah, Jeff Jeff Cross, listen, you played defensive end for eight seasons as a starter, and that's basically what Cross did. I mean, he was an extremely solid football player, and there were a lot of seasons where he didn't have a lot around him. That's right. You know, so, you know, I, I give him a lot of credit. He deserves to be on this list as one of our best defensive ends over the history of our, our franchise. And, uh, you know, he's right up there. You know, he's in the top 10, maybe the top five, you know, overall, you know, past those 
uh, first four guys. I mean, he's comparable. You know, he's right. comparable to a guy like a Den Herder because that's the type of player he was. He was solid against the run, and he was also a pretty decent pass rusher. You know, he was a tough guy. He was just a tough guy. They both were. Yes, very, very good football player, and and well deserving. Trace Armstrong came in right after uh, Cross left. Um, mm-hmm. He came in in nineteen ninety five, played through two thousand. Uh, now he four sixteen fumbles. He accumulated fifty six and a half sacks in his six years in Aquan Orange. Uh, he made the Pro Bowl during his last season. Uh, he also played in eight playoff games during his tenure. Uh, in those games, he had five sacks and a forced fumble. Yeah. What do you think of Trace? I loved him. I loved him as a player. You know, you always think of Trace Armstrong as a Flutie. Chicago as a Chicago <laughs> Bear, right? Oh well, that yeah, I was getting yeah. to that. Yeah. Uh, but you just, you think of him as a, char- a Chicago Bear because he right. was drafted as a Bear, but. When he came over to us, and the thing that surprised me about him was the fact that he was with us for six seasons. Yeah. And when I thought back, I was like, you know what? I think he was only here for maybe uh-huh. three, three, maybe four seasons. Yeah, but me too. He was here for six seasons, and he had 56 and a half sacks as a Dolphin. I mean, that's close to 10 sacks yep. a season that yep. he averaged. He was productive. He was productive, and there were times where he was just in there as a uh, rush specialist. He didn't even play every down. So right. this is a guy that was very productive for six seasons, which is a you know a ni- nice chunk of change you know as a football player on a team. The thing you mentioned earlier was the sack of Flutie at the end of that playoff game when they were right at, they were inside the ten yard line, right? And he came around and blew the play up, and we won the football game. It was it, it was a big big play. I always remember him from that, and obviously you do as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah, well deserving again, another guy, well deserving. And then after him, uh, well, not actually after him, in 1997, this guy named Jason Taylor came in. Uh, Tall, skinny kid who uh, was going to na- make a name for himself. He was he was a third round pick in the '97 draft. Uh, he was a Hall of Famer, six time Pro Bowler, three times All Pro. He was the def- 2006 AP Defensive Player of the Year, and in uh, 2007 won the Walter Payton Award. Uh, he forced 43 fumbles. That's that's astounding, <laughs> incredible, and uh, recovered 27, scoring six TDs. Now, that wasn't enough. He also intercepted eight passes as a defensive end. <laughs> you know, uh, he had 137 tackles for losses, 131 sacks, and two safeties. In my opinion, you know, he was simply the best we've had. I don't, I don't think there's an argument there. Yeah, I, I don't think there was a better defensive player overall that played for us. And uh, you can throw all the decades into the mix. As I looked at these players and this list on defense, and there's a ton of guys. I mean, I can't sit here and say we didn't have really good football players on the side. And that's why he got, you know, got right. my vote in regard to being the best ever. But JT was, he may be the best defensive end that ever played the game or doggone close to it, Mike. I mean, he had nine career. He's in the top handful. There's there's no question about that. Nine career touchdowns. And as you mentioned, eight career interceptions, all the fumble recoveries and 131 sacks over the course of his career. I mean, the guy just disrupted football games. I mean, he was that type of player. And at, when you look at the defensive end position, Mike, I mean, you're you're going to be hard pressed to find a lot of guys that 
that are that were better than him over the course of the over their career. Maybe Reggie mm-hmm. White, right, and um, you know a handful of others. But there he aren't was, many. There aren't. There many. aren't many by no means. So yeah, JT, absolutely one of the best ever. And then a little later, we we went to Cameron Wake, and and to me, Cameron Wake was sort of a poor man's Jason Taylor. Um, we got him in 2009, played in 2018. He was a free agent from the Canadian League. Uh, he was a guy that was just, you know, driven to succeed. He was going to do whatever it took. And, you know, he chiseled his body. He uh, had an extreme diet. I mean, whatever it took for him to do what he needed to do, he was going to do. Uh, he was a five-time pro bowler, uh, first-team all-pro. Uh, he was the face of our team for most of his tenure. Uh, he accumulated 98 sacks for the Dolphins to go with one interception and 22 forced fumbles. Now you compare that to Jason Taylor's 43. Uh, Wake also tallied 97 tackles behind the line of scrimmage, including a game-winning safety against Cincinnati in 2013. Mm-hmm. And overtime, I believe. Yep, yep. Great, great player, but not quite on the level of Jason Taylor. No, he wasn't. But you know what? He made us at least the trans the transition. Mm-hmm. You know, from JT leaving and to him coming, it helped because yes. I will tell you what, Mike, as I looked at this list and the players and, uh, you know, past Wake over the last 20 some odd years on the defensive side of the football. I mean, my goodness, he's one of the few that's on this list for me. And I'm sure you're probably in the same boat in regard to that. I am. Um, you know, nine seasons he played with us. And again, you know, anytime a guy gets into eight, seven, eight, nine seasons for one football team, uh, you got to love the fact that he was here. He was here for a long time for, for all the reasons you talked about in regard to his statistics. And, and he was devoted to the franchise. I mean, I, I really think there was a marriage there. You know, both sides were pretty much happy with each other. Absolutely. He was a steal. You know, they found him and um, he was a steal. They got him for next to nothing. Signed him out of the Canadian Probably the only record. good signing Ireland had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So, and we kind of thank a scout maybe that was up in Canada for us, you know, for that one too, you know, he'll get credit for it, but I'm sure there was somebody else behind that. But yeah, Wake, absolutely. Great player. So we go to defensive tackles. Well, hold on, Mike. There's a few other guys. Let's let's just hear it. Let's just mention a couple other guys. I mean, Agunlier was only here for a couple of seasons, but, um, you know, they traded him. And uh, me, or, me or you, were not. neither one of us was happy about the trade. No, I remember that. I believe he got traded for Marty Booker, if I'm not yep, mistaken, because we correct. needed some offense. Yep. But And he went on to play, have some really good solid years with Chicago. But over the course of his two seasons with us, he had a lot of sacks. Um, he wound up totaling, I think, over 20 sacks over those two seasons. I think he had 15 one year. So for a short time, he was very good. Uh, TJ Turner's another guy that, you know, was a very solid football player for us for a while. And Olivia and Vernon, uh, you know, four seasons, 29 sacks. You know, I mean, that's, that's pretty solid. Uh, we hated to see him go too, but, you know, the free agency thing always, you know, there's always negatives to it. You know, we, you tend to lose guys like that. He signed a major, major contract with the Giants, and we just couldn't match it. But, uh, you know, he was a very, very solid football player for us uh, playing opposite uh, Cameron Wake. So right. I just wanted to throw those guys in there before we move on to tackle. Go ahead. 
Yep, yeah, nope, you're right. We hated to see those guys go, but they had to go. I mean, uh, uh, Gunley, I, I didn't think had to go, and that, that one kind of upset me. But Vernon, I mean, they weren't going to pay him $85 million, so adios. Right, exactly. Tackles. We have Manny Fernandez. Now, Manny was brought in in 1968, and he, he played until through 75. Uh, he had the game of his life in Super Bowl seven. He recorded 17 unassisted tackles, which is just crazy. Hmm. Uh, over his career, he had unofficially 35 sacks. Uh, he was second-team All-Pro in 70 and in uh, 73. He was All-AFC selection in 71 and a second-team All-AFC choice in 72 and 73, uh, marking four consecutive postseasons that he had honors. Fernandez is also uh, credited with being one of the first true nose tackles in the NFL since the Dolphins played the famed 53 defense, which is essentially a 3-4 defense. Uh, they played it in 72 through 74, which put Manny over the center. Uh, no team played the 3-4 defense more until the New England Patriots went to the 3-4 full-time in 1974. And ap after Manny, uh, there was Bob Baumhauer. Baumhauer came in in 77 and uh, played through 84, and then he played again uh, yeah, in 86. He missed 85. I think he had an injury that year. He was the ideal nose tackle. He was smart. He was quick. He was tough and, and relentless. And uh, big. He, yes. Big. <laughs> very big. Very tall. Very big. Yeah. He was a five-time Pro Bowler and one-time All-Pro. He had 16 fumble recoveries, 14 and a half sacks, not including the uh, first five years he played because they didn't have those stats. Though. That, 39 um, and a half, Mike, okay. is what his career total was, which is okay. outstanding. Yeah, for a nose tackle, sure it is. Um, he started 129 of 130 games he dressed, um, and it, certainly he was an important part of uh, the Killer B defense and, and, and a significant reason that defense worked. Yeah, I mean, Baumhauer was one of my all-time favorites. Uh, you know, when I look back at my top 10 Dolphins, he's, uh, he's right up there and um, of all time. And the fact that the position that he played, the fact that he was out there for nine seasons just getting beat up, double-teamed every doggone play, and still being productive in the process just says all you, all you, need, to, you need to know about Baumhauer. Uh, Manny, same thing. You know, the, the thing about Manny that, that was frustrating was late in his career, or in the middle of his career, I should say, you know, I felt that he had some really solid years ahead of him, but the injuries just kept getting to him. And, um, you know, it hurt him at the end of his career or else he would get a lot more recognition than well, what he you've actually seen Manny. got. He, he's not a big guy like a Baumhauer. Not at all. I mean, God, as a player, I mean, you have to see him now, Mike. I mean, he looks like he weighs about 170, 180 pounds. Yeah. Um, and when you look at him, you're like, wait a minute, this isn't the same guy that, <laughs> that I'm seeing in these Super Bowl highlights. But you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, he had to maintain a decent amount of weight by probably just eating a ton because he's not, you know, he's not really he's not a, a big frame guy. Big, he's not a big guy. And, um, you know, again, late in his career, you know, he was banged up quite a bit or else, you know, he, he would have, he would get a lot more recognition than he actually does. He was a, an, an outstanding player for us during those Super Bowl years. I mean, just very, very solid on right in the middle of our defense. I mean, a key to all the wins that we had over those yeah. seasons. After Baumhauer, who you got? After Baumhauer, uh, 
Tim Bowens. Um, That's who I got. You know, so there's, there's a gap there, there, you know, between 86 and 94. There's a few guys that were okay, Mike, um, you know, but, you know, like Kling Bile was okay. Right. I mean, he played five seasons and he had seven and a half sacks. Pretty solid player. Mike Sosha, I mean, Brian Sosha, I should right, say. Right, right, You know, three seasons in the middle. Yeah, two guys who were serviceable. Serviceable, but not great. So, yeah, there was a big gap before we went into a really, really solid player. Now, you know, Bowens, uh, 10 seasons, again, a, a guy that played a very long time at a position where you just get beat up every single game. You got a guard and you got a center just beating down on you constantly. And he's another guy that took on double teams and just, uh, just an outstanding, outstanding football player. For 10 seasons. You know what bothers me about Bowens? He only made the Pro Bowl twice, and I felt he was as good as there was during his playing days. Uh, Agreed, Mike. The problem with Bowens was he he didn't get a ton of sacks, but that didn't tell you the story in regard to him. I mean, he clogged up the middle and allowed Zach and the guys behind them to make a lot of football plays, you know, a lot of tackles. Um, You know, over the course of his 10 seasons, he only had 22 career sacks, which isn't a lot. You know, he averaged about two two a season, and that's what hurt him. But, you know, back then, and, you know, it became sacks, and, you know, uh, the defensive tackles that were getting to the quarterback a lot more were basically making the Pro Bowl. Um, He was well-deserving of it. They just, you know, I guess they didn't consider him better than the guys that were getting there. But um, he should have absolutely had more Pro Bowl appearances. There's no question about it. But, um, you know, he he was an outstanding football player for for a whole decade. So you got to love him. Yep. He ended up uh, being Defensive Rookie of the Year in 94. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did have 22 sacks, so it wasn't like he couldn't get to the quarterback. Uh, so he got a couple a year. Mm-hmm. He had five fumble recoveries, nine forced fumbles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, whenever you talk to Zach Thomas, he's always talking about Tim Bowen. So. And rightfully so. Yeah. After Tim, you had Paul Solii. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Paul was selected in the fourth round of the 2007 draft. He started 62 games for the Dolphins. He had 12 passes defensed. Two forced fumbles, two recoveries, and four and a half sacks. He spent uh, most of his career in the 3-4, but transitioned to the 4-3 in his last couple of seasons. Yeah, I would loved him as a football player. A lot of enthusiasm, clogged up the middle, played really, really solid football for us the four seasons that he played. And, um, you know, just, again, just a solid football player, an unheralded guy. On your defense, you know, a guy that did all the dirty work. He was that type of football player, and I loved him. Mm -hmm. And Randy Starks played with him a little bit. Uh, He played from 8 to 14. Uh, He was a third-round pick, uh, the Titans, in 2004. Uh, He signed with us as a free agent in 2008. He started 96 games for us, had four interceptions, one forced fumble, and uh, four uh, fumble recoveries. He was a two-time uh, Pro Bowler once in 2010 and again in 2012. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, as I looked at the list, Mike, and I looked at these players, Starks just shocked me because I, I, this is another guy that I didn't realize he played six seasons with us. He uh-huh. played six years with us. And from the defensive tackle position, he had 30 and a half sacks. Now, th- that's a nice number. 
for a guy that, you know, from the defensive tackle position. And again, just a really solid player that if you ask Dolphin fans, you know, about defensive tackles and defensive linemen across the board, a lot of people wouldn't even think about Starks being up there. But this guy was a really, really good football player over that period of time. And again, six seasons. Yep. You know, some of these guys, it, it's it's tough to compare because they played in the 3-4 and others played in the 4-3. Right. Uh, so it's a little tough to compare defensive linemen. But if I had to go through this group and say who I thought was the best player, mm-hmm. it would probably be Baumhauer. Yes. Uh, if you asked me who had the best game, it would be Manny Fernandez. Right, without a doubt. And we'll never forget the uh, <laughs> handoff he stole from uh, the Buffalo Bills quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shaw, uh, which was just one of the most phenomenal plays I ever saw. Yeah, yeah it was fantastic. Um, you know, I mean, getting back to Starks, Mike, yep. <laughs> you know, as I looked at their numbers and stuff, you know, Sua, um, Sue, uh-huh. uh, you know, he, uh, I call him Sua. Call because, him Shirley for all I care. Yeah, he just... Uh, you know, you compare the two. Starks was more productive, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah, no, I, I'm not a big fan of Sue for a number of reasons. But wasn't right. Didn't even make the list. That's pretty sad. Pretty yeah. sad. Well, did he make your list? No, not at no. all. Are you kidding no. me? No chance. I mean, he had 15 and a half sacks for us over that three seasons, but or four seasons, how many years he was with us. But you know, I felt that the guy just was so inconsistent. I mean, teams ran the football on us and. Yeah, I just didn't feel that he did anything close to uh, be deserving on this list at any point. And, you know, we've got the kid Wilkins, and let's hope that, you know, at some point he makes this list, you know. uh, Yeah, really. Somebody's got to. (laughs) Somebody's got to. In order for us to start getting Ws on the board, we have to start getting players like the guys we're talking about that that are going to make all-time Dolphin lists, you know. So um, we haven't had it, especially on the defensive side. It's unbelievable. But there you go. What do we got, Mike, next? We got linebackers. All right. And you can't talk about linebackers without starting with Nick Bonacani. Nick played from 69 to 74. He played middle linebacker uh, in 76, mostly. The scouts said this Hall of Fame linebacker was too small to play professional football. Still, the Boston Patriots in 62 drafted him in the 13th round. He went on to play seven seasons for the Patriots before being traded to the Dolphins in 69. Bonacani was the first-team All-Pro five times and an eight-time Pro Bowler. He was the undisputed leader of the no-name defense and had a knack for making key stops or somehow coming up with a critical play at a key time in the game. Throughout his seven seasons in Miami, he had eight eight interceptions and four fumble recoveries. Uh, He did not play in uh, 75. He had a thumb injury that required surgery. Uh, in the playoffs in 72, Bonacani grabbed two interceptions and uh, returned 32, run 32 yards against the uh, Redskins. In another, he returned six yards against the Steelers, both key, key plays in those games. In the uh, 71 playoffs, he was credited with a fumble recovery. What were your thoughts on Nick? Hey, Mike, he, he was the guy in the middle of that defense in those Super Bowl years that, like you mentioned, just came up with plays always. He always seemed to be around the football, maybe one of the smartest players that ever played for us. I mean, he was just always in the right position at the right time. And, you know, that no-name defense, there's one guy 
in the Hall of Fame from that no-name defense. And yeah. his name is Nick Bonacani, as you mentioned. So, you know, that tells you uh, how good this football player was. I don't think people have a true understanding of how great he was over those Super Bowl years. And and the glue to the defense, I mean, there were a lot of great players on that team, Mike, but um, he was the guy that was just there and consistently doing things to win your football games. And, and you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't destroy teams a lot of weeks. You know, there were a lot no, of games were that close were games. That's right. nip and tuck, and he always seemed to be making a big interception or making bi- a big tackle. A big third down stop or right, whatever it was. In a key situation. And, you know, the younger Dolphin fans, um, you know, you can compare him to a Zach Thomas, who I'm sure we're going to talk about at some point, because he was that type of player. So if you never got to see him, just think about Zach Thomas and the guy that was extremely smart and always seemed to be in the right position. That that was Nick Bonacani. And small, you know, just like Zach yep, as yep, well. Very v- comparable players. Very comparable players. Absolutely. And now uh, playing along with uh, Nick Bonacani was Mike Colon and, and Doug Swift. I'm going to briefly mention them. Mm-hmm. Colin uh, was drafted in the 12th round of the 70 draft. He was known for hard hitting, and he carried the nickname Captain Crunch. Uh, he played strong side linebacker until Bonacani retired, and then he moved inside uh, in 1975. Now, Mike had a short career. Injuries uh, cost him, but he was a force from 72 to 75, totaling five interceptions and uh, one fumble recovery. Uh, now, Doug, like Mike Colon, had a fairly short career. He started 71 of his 78 games. He collected five interceptions and recovered four fumbles. Really heady player, you know, a guy who you can always count on to be in position, and that's pretty much what Doug Swift was. Bob Matheson uh, is, an, is the next guy. Um, now, Bob played from 71 to 79. He was drafted by Cleveland in the first round of the 67 draft. He came to Miami in 71 and was a backup until uh, Arnst Parker devised the 3-4 defense, known as the, as the 53 defense, after Bob's number. Matheson would be inserted into the game and could play end in the 4-3 alignment or drop into in the 3-4 set, an outside linebacker. It worked to confuse blocking assignments, and the 3-4 defense was born, partly because of the versatility of Matheson and the genius of Arnst Parker and Shula. Bob went on to intercept eight passes and recover five fumbles in his 75 starts for Miami. What are your thoughts on those three players, Colin Swift and Matheson? Oh, they were keys to our, our Super Bowl wins, Mike. You know, key ingredients, so to speak. Um, you know, guys that were in and out at times, you know, depending on what type of defense we were playing. Matheson being the top guy there coming in and out, and um, Colin and Swift, just extremely solid football players on that no-name defense, guys that go unheralded. People don't talk about them, but they deserve to be talked about because they were just solid players that, again, were always in position and always making plays. You know, they were part of a, a just a, an outstanding defense over that short period of time and uh, well-deserving, all three of them. Yeah, I, I I would throw them all in as a group, you know. Um, yeah, I did. <laughs> exactly, which is exactly what you did, and and that's what should have been done because as a group they were outstanding. Yep, they complemented each other, which is the main point of that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, now in '75, Ernie Roan came in. He played till 1984. 
Now, he began his career on the bench and remained there until 1981, when he became a very dependable starter. In 54 starts, he intercepted 14 passes and recovered four fumbles. Yeah, I mean, Ernie, killer B defense, played inside along with another guy I absolutely loved, one of my favorite players, A.J. Dewey. Uh-huh. Uh, they were key behind Baumhauer. They played outstanding run defense, and they actually were able to cover. You know, Dewey's game, you know, Roan Roan was just solid. Dewey came up with big plays and big games. I mean, obviously, the championship game against the Jets, the three interceptions. Um, he, you know, you're, he, you're stealing my thunder. Well, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> sorry about that, Mike. But, uh, you know, as a tandem on the inside of that Killer B defense, uh-huh. they were both great players. I mean, you know, if you talk about Ernie, you got to talk about the guy that played right next to him. You know, Dewey moved around a lot and just made. Well, I'm going to talk about a few guys here together. Um, yeah, go ahead. You have Roan, uh, who we just mentioned. You mm-hmm. had Rusty Chambers, who was here from 76 until 80. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you know, Rusty, this is more or less an honorable mention because his stats don't justify being here, but, you know, it's not his fault. He died at 27 years old in a car crash. Right. Uh, he was claimed off waivers from New Orleans and uh, was really starting to really come into his own. Uh, it was a shame. Mm-hmm. And uh, sadly, at the at right about the same time, Larry Gordon died. Yes. And uh, again, you know, an honorable mention. He had eight eight interceptions and ninety eight starts. He had ten fumble recoveries, and he died uh, shortly before his twenty ninth birthday. Yeah, two guys who were an important part of our defense that we lost, and uh, that was a shame. You know, Gordon, Mike, seven seasons, and. Um, a guy that was just such a good, good football player and a guy that would have just kept going. I mean, yeah. he was at the peak of his career he was as at far the as the peak of his career. I mean, absolutely. He, he was playing the season before he passed. Um, he just had an outstanding year. And, um, you know, I felt that, that that hurt us incredibly, you know, losing him. Um, he would have been a big, big part of our defense going forward. Um, you know, and it, it was sad, you know, it's sad to see him uh, lose his life at such a young age. A guy that was, like I said, right in the middle of his career. He was he did play seven seasons, which, again, I was surprised about because, my God, those years came Climb and went by. quickly. Yep. You know, I, as I thought about him, I was like, yeah, he was only like four seasons in his career, yep. but he actually yep. had seven seasons under his belt and he was still very productive uh, before he, he was ascending. So, he was ascending. Yep. yep. Very, very good football. And who knows how long, you know, he would have ascended, but he was ascending there. I don't think anybody doubts that that saw him play. Absolutely. Uh, You you mentioned Dewey, and and, uh, he was selected in the first round of the 77 draft. Uh, As you you mentioned, he played the game of his life in the 82 championship game, intercepting Richard Todd three times, scoring once. He was selected to the Pro Bowl in 84. Uh, he was uh, previously named the AP Defensive Rookie of the Year in 77. Uh, he totaled three career interceptions and 89 starts and uh, had four in his 11 playoff games that he played. He also recovered six fumbles in his career. Uh, he began his career at right defensive end, and uh, Arnsparger asked him to move to right inside linebacker a few seasons later. <laughs> Just <laughs> He's one of my all-time favorites, Mike. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, injuries did him in too because you talk about a guy that was just 
coming into his own at the position he was playing. Um, right when he was just playing at an outstanding level, made the Pro Bowl, he gets hurt over and over again, and it, it shortened his career. Or um, I, I feel that he would have been uh, a possible Hall of Famer had he been do able you? to play. Yeah, I do. Because he was getting to a point in his career where he was, Mike, he was right at the top of the, his game when he got injured. Um, and I, I felt he still had, you know, three, four really good years. Um, but the injuries just took their toll on him. And, um, you know, eventually did him in. But at, as far as inside linebackers, at that point, he was one of the best ones in the game when he got hurt. The next guy I've got is Bob Brzezinski. Mm-hmm. Now, Bob played from 81 to 89. He, he uh, began and spent four years of his career with the Rams uh, after being drafted 23rd in uh, 1977. Uh, he made the 77 All-Rookie team. He played in 17 playoff games in his career, starting 16. With Miami, he had 14 and a half sacks, six fumble recoveries to go with five interceptions. He also scored on a fumble return. And he is another one of those outside linebackers who I just viewed as steady. Yes. How and did you look at him? Kill, again, another key component of that Killer B defense. Yep. He played that outside linebacker. And I'll tell you what, Mike, he, he was good at – he was pretty good at getting to the quarterback. They didn't blitz him a lot, but he had four, you know, he had, he only had 14 and a half sacks over the six seasons he played. But the thing that I remember most about Brzezinski was the fact that he played the run well and the pass. Yes. He was a great, great. He was very, very good at covering running backs, tight ends when they were in, um, when they were in their patterns, he was just an outstanding, outstanding cover linebacker. Heady player, very heady player. Just a really smart guy, and a key, as I mentioned, a key component to the Killer B defense. Very important part of that defense, no question about it, that front seven. And the next guy I've got on my list is John Offerdahl. Oof, another one of my all-time favorites. Now, John played from 86 to 93. Uh, he played uh, right inside linebacker. He played left inside linebacker. He played middle linebacker. Uh, he was drafted in the second round in 86, and uh, what a treat it was to watch him play. Uh, he made the Pro Bowl five straight seasons uh, starting his rookie year. Uh, in 1990, he was first team All-Pro, and that was really the beginning of the end because he just could not stay healthy after that, and his career ended in 1993. Yep, and, and I'll tell you what. You know, I mentioned A.J. Dewey in regard to Hall of Fame. This guy here, five straight seasons as a Pro Bowl player, and he was at the peak and the top of his game when he started getting injured. If this guy would have been able to play another four or five seasons, you would see Offerdahl in the Hall of Fame as well because he was just that good. Um, Just an incredible, maybe one of the best tacklers I have ever seen play I would agree with that. He just... You did, did not get past him. <laughs> he just annihilated for for a guy that didn't have a ton of size. He would just annihilate guys coming through the holes, you know, one hole, the three hole, two hole, four hole, whatever the case may be. In the middle of that defense, I mean, you knew when he hit when he hit you because you saw the running back's <laughs> head go backwards. Yeah, you know, it was Head's like a truck. Like you mentioned, he was just a joy to watch and a guy that, honestly, had he not had all the injuries, he would have definitely, no question in my mind, would have been a Hall of Fame football player. 
you know, five straight Pro Bowls, Mike, nothing. Well, no, that I agree. Joffrey yeah. Dahl was definitely Hall of Fame caliber. Uh, he just didn't play long enough to be considered. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I consider Dewey in that same ballpark, but, you know, it's all personal preference. Mm-hmm. Yep. Brian Cox played from 91 to 95. He was selected in the fifth round in the 91 draft and known for his fiery temper and his aggressive style of play. He forced 14 fumbles and had three interceptions while playing for us. And he was the emotional leader of our defense at the time. Yes, he was. He was, he was maybe one of the most emotional players we have ever had put on a Miami Dolphin uniform. Without question. You know, we, we talk about how Baltimore comes in and, and they just dominate us and they play that type of football. Well, Brian Cox was that type of football player where he just absolutely got in your ear, got in your face, didn't care if he took on 20 guys uh, on a play. You know, it, it didn't make any difference to him. He was feisty and just had such a passion for the game. Sometimes it got him in trouble, but you know what? I'd take 11 Brian Coxes any day of the week. And you'd win. Him. And you'd win football games. Yeah. Um you know, 31 and a half sacks over his five seasons with us. Uh, you know, just a guy that just left everything on the football field every time he played the game. Absolutely loved the guy. Absolutely loved him. And he was a fan favorite up in Buffalo. Oh, yeah. The Bills loved him. Absolutely. <laughs> they loved him. And he loved them back, Mike. Oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> he showed his love a few yes, times. Yes, he did. <laughs> Uh, Zach Thomas is the next guy you got to mention. Uh, now, Zach played from 96 to 07. I, I'm sure that everybody listening knows Zach Thomas. Uh, he was taken in the fifth round in a 96 draft. Zach's production makes a strong case that he was the best linebacker in Dolphin history. Certainly for duration and commitment, he was. Uh, over his long career, he intercepted 17 passes and recovered seven fumbles. He also totaled 1,640 tackles. Uh, Most of them were the kind you didn't want to be on the other end of. Zach was a seven-time Pro Bowler and a five-time All-Pro. Yeah, I mean, you know, Zach, you mentioned everything, Mike. There's no – I can't really add anything on to him. I mean, this guy was such a smart football player and just a great tackler and always in position. And he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, as you look and you and you and you understand what he brought to the football game, you almost have to put him in. I mean, there's no question about it. And you know, I had mixed emotions about him because I felt that, you know, the Dolphins had a lot of really good football players, including Tim Bowens, who we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. around him at the time, Jason Taylor playing the end position. So, you know, uh teams were concerned about him a lot. But you know what? Zach did his job for a long period of time. Consistently. And he, he did right. it extremely well. And, you know, as time has passed, I, I've become more appreciative of what he has brought to what he brought to the team in his playing days. And, um, you know, he, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And it's going to come at some point. I mean, it's like we said earlier, he and Bonacani are the same player. The only difference between the two is Bonacani spent half his career in Boston. Exactly. So for that reason, you know, I say I say Zach was the best linebacker we've ever had. And you're probably right. There's no question about it. I mean, Mike, he's got to be one of the top five defensive players we've ever had as well. Yeah. You know, I talked about JT earlier and Zach, uh, you can make a strong point for him being in the top five. Um, 
you know, there's a few guys, Mike. I don't know. You know, I just want to mention them real yeah, quick. Sure. Um, you know, Joey Porter was only here for three seasons, but over those three years, he had 32 sacks. Uh, he was very productive, and he was one of our better free agent signings, which we haven't had a lot of. That's so, correct. You know, I felt that he needed to be mentioned. Steve Toll is a guy that he had one spectacular year. Oh, 217 tackles in 1976. Yep. I mean, that is incredible. And um, not a big guy. Again, not a very, very big guy, but just played very solid football. Uh, Dansby was here for three very solid seasons. And and believe it or not, Channing Crowder for six years was a pretty solid football player for us as well. Was he one of our best linebackers ever? No. He probably falls no. right out of that, but a very solid football player, a guy that, you know, left it on the field. You know, he he came to the – No, he, he came, left more than football on the field. Yeah, he, he, he liked to uh, throw up quite a bit, right? Yeah, other things. Other, <laughs> and other things. things, right. <laughs> He, uh, he, he was a guy that, you know, that had a lot of emotion when he was on the football field. And, and he's one of the few guys, again, Mike, on that defensive side that over the last 20 right. years, you know, I, I felt that, you know, you're kind of like, God, there's not a lot of guys here on the nope. defensive side. Nope. And, uh, you know, he's one of the guys that is just outside of that, you know. So, uh, you know, that, uh, that best ever uh, group. So I just felt, you know – we should mention him as well. Okay. All right. Let's talk about safeties. Okay. Let's do it. We've had some good safeties. Uh, I start with Dick Anderson and Jake Scott. Mm-hmm. Anderson was a, a third-round pick by Miami in 68. Uh, probably the best strong safety I've seen in a Dolphin uniform. He had 34 career interceptions, five forced fumbles, 16 fumble recoveries, uh, like several other Dolphins mentioned, uh, he missed 1975 due to injury. It seems like half the team missed that year due to injury. Uh, his game against the Steelers in 73 was the best game played by a safety, according to Don Shula. Uh, Dick had four interceptions, returning two for scores. Only the seventh time that's been accomplished. He made the Pro Bowl in 1972, 73, and 74. Was a first-team All-Pro in 72 and 73. Only one of five players from the all-70s decade team not to be inducted in the NFL Hall of Fame. Now, Jake Scott was a seventh-round draft selection in the 70 draft. Uh, Jake played six impactful seasons in Miami before a feud with Shula sent him packing to Washington where he finished his career. While in Miami, Jake was a ball hawk, picking off 35 passes, recovering seven fumbles, and forcing eight more. He and Anderson were spectacular together and a vital part of the no-name defense. Scott also totaled 1,357 punt return yards over his career. Uh, he was a five-time Pro Bowler and two-time All-Pro, and uh, three-time second-team All-Pro. Mike, both of these guys are deserving of the Hall of Fame as far as I'm concerned, especially Dick Anderson. I don't know how this guy is not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. I mean, you, you, you make the all-decade team, and you're not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, this guy was one of the best safeties over the course of his career. And Jake Scott was not far behind him. So I think both of these guys, and I mean, I know I sound like a broken record, you know, but the point of the matter is, is that these two guys were two of the best safeties in football over that period of time especially Dick Anderson, and I think that we're going to eventually see him 
get into the Hall of Fame as well. I uh, hope so. He's well deserving of it. Um, there's guys, Mike, that, you know, like um, other defensive backs like Roger Worley and, and people like that. I mean, I think, didn't Donnie Shell just get in recently yeah, for the I Steelers? So. I mean, yep. come on. I mean, how do you have guys like that in – in the Hall of Fame and not have Dick Anderson or Jake Scott. To me, it makes no sense whatsoever. But um, I think Dick Anderson um, does, is, is more than deserving to be there. Um, you know, he did it for a long period of time. He had some outstanding, outstanding years, as you mentioned. And he did it for, you know, an, an, a nice, he had a nice career, 10 seasons, 11 seasons, whatever he played. I mean, it, you know, he like did Malakani, these guys had a knack for making plays when they needed to be made. Yes, absolutely. And um, they were a great tandem, you know, a great tandem back there. And we had, you know, you, you can bring them up, Mike, but I mean, we've had some really good tandems. We've been fortunate enough over the, you know, over the course of the Dolphin franchise to have some nice safety tandems. We did. So, and the ahead. next one is uh, the Blackwood Brothers. Yeah. The Bruise Brothers. Yes. In 79, uh, Glenn Blackwood came in. He played until through 87. Mm-hmm. He was a strong safety. Glenn was drafted in the eighth round of the 79 draft. He spent his entire career in Aquin Orange, totaling 29 interceptions. He had uh, three forced fumbles, 14 fumble recoveries. He started 106 games in his career and was an important part of the Killer B defense. Now, his brother Lyle came in in 81. Played through 86, he was the free safety. Glenn's brother Lyle joined the Dolphins after spending eight seasons with the Bengals, Seattle, and Baltimore, and really filled a need for uh, the defense. He was originally a ninth-round pick uh, by Denver in 73, but never played for the Broncos. He had 14 interceptions, one forced fumble, five fumble recoveries, and his six seasons for Miami. Uh, together with his brother, they were called the Bruise Brothers, as Lou mentioned, because uh, Neither was afraid to stick whoever came into their territory. Yeah, they were hitters, Mike. They were were, hitters. They were hitters. They were fun. And, and, you know, they didn't have a ton of speed back there, which was funny. You know, I mean, (laughs) for a safety tandem, they didn't have a lot of speed. But, boy, I'll tell you what. As a tandem, they were extremely good. They communicated well. It was so much fun to watch two brothers playing back there together. You know, I remember when we used to go down to the games and we'd see them playing catch with each other during the warm-ups and stuff. And, you know, you're thinking back and you're saying, my God, what a thrill for these two guys to both be on the football field together as brothers starting together for, what was it, four or five seasons? Yeah. I mean, they they started together, I believe – it. It had to be at least four solid seasons. And, um, well, yeah, 81 through 86, right. uh, Lyle's time here. Yeah, I mean, well, I, Lyle had some injuries late. Like in 85, I don't think he started any games for whatever reason, and I don't remember why. But the the, the point of the matter is, is that as a tandem, they were both extremely good. They communicated well back there, and they were the back end of our Killer B defense. Another tandem uh, was Lewis Oliver and Jarvis Williams. Yeah, those guys were pretty solid players as well. Uh, now, uh, Oliver was, was a first-round selection by the Dolphins in 89. Lewis was known for his willingness to hit people back when safeties were allowed to do so. <laughs> uh, he totaled 24 interceptions in seven years here and uh, forced three fumbles. He also recovered eight loose balls. He had uh, two interceptions returned for scores, and nobody will forget his 103-yard interception return against the hated Bills. Oh, yeah. That was one of the best plays ever. Uh (laughs) 
He spent uh, 1994 with the uh, Bengals before returning to the Dolphins in 95. Now, Jarvis Williams was a second-round selection in the 88 draft. Jarvis teamed with Oliver a year later to form one of the better safety duos in the league. Jarvis tallied 14 interceptions, one touchdown, one forced fumble, and seven fumble recoveries during his six years in Aqua. Yeah, they 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 were really really fun to watch together, Mike. Um, you know that was a defense that was okay up front. They mm-hmm. weren't spectacular, but those two guys, in regard to the safety tandems, both both did a great job. I mean, I love to watch them play. Uh, they they were fun. They were fun, yeah. and yeah. you know they they played together as Gators. And then they wound up playing together in the NFL, which was fantastic for them. That's right. You know, That's right. Um, you know. So in regard to tandems, again, this is another group that comes in, uh, you know, as as a tandem, and and together they were both great. I mean, Louie was just a phenomenal hitter, a, a guy that didn't have a lot of speed, and you know, when he when he got put in coverage, he had trouble at times. But boy, could he annihilate people! I mean, I I you know he. He reminded me more of a linebacker than yes. he, than he did a, a, a safety, and um, you know that's just the way he hit. I mean, he laid it on people. He was very good around the goal line. He's very a big good. guy too. He was a big man. Big guy, big hitter. You know, loved him as a football player. Brock Marion uh, played from '98 to '03. Uh, he was a free safety. Uh, Brock had played five years in Dallas before coming to Miami. He was a seventh-round pick of the Cowboys in '93. Uh, he started 95 games here and totaled 20 interceptions, two touchdowns, five forced fumbles, and three fumble recoveries. And uh, I think he was a fan favorite for his aggressive style. Yeah, and he he was a great pickup by the Dolphins. So five seasons, he had 20 interceptions. And, uh, you know, he had a real good defense in front of him, and he was the back end of it, and he made plays. He made plays for us. He solidified that back end, Mike, because at that point, you know, once Louie and Jarvis were done, uh, we struggled at that safety position, and we brought in a lot of guys. Michael a Stewart. Guys. Yep. Michael Stewart comes to mind, and there were two or three others that we signed uh, through free agency. We we drafted a few guys, and he was a guy that just solidified that safety position for us in those years where you know we had that uh, real good defense up front with um, Zach and Bowens and those type of guys. So. He was he was big. In the last twenty years, two guys come to mind, and that's Jeremiah Bell and Rashad Jones. Now Bell played from '04 to '11, and uh, he was a sixth round pick in the 2003 draft. He, he played in a reserve role his first few seasons, and really didn't get into a groove until 2008. From then, he was one of the better strong safeties in the league—a strong tackler who forced nine fumbles during his stay in Miami. He was a good blitzer, totaling 11 sacks, and he also intercepted six passes. He made his only Pro Bowl appearance in uh, 2009. Yeah. What did you think of Jeremiah? I loved him. I loved him. He was there at a time when we didn't really have a great defense, and he was one of the few players that you could depend on, game in and game out. He became an extremely solid player for us starting, you know, what, five seasons. And, um, you know, I, I felt he was a guy that didn't have, a, again, didn't have a lot around him, but uh, was, was a guy you could depend on. Yeah, he's a tough player. Yep. 
Rashad Jones, he was a fifth-round selection in the 2010 draft. He made the Pro Bowl in 2015 as a free safety and again in 2017 as a strong safety. Uh, he was equally good in both roles, uh, but was one of the better in-the-box safeties that we've seen. A great tackler who was fearless bringing down bigger running backs and receivers and can get to the quarterback when asked, finishing with 10.5 sacks, 21 interceptions. He had four of those for scores and uh, three fumble recoveries, and he returned two of those for touchdowns. So Rashad was a bit of a ball hawk guy back there, um, you know, tough player, great in the box, like I said, you know, he was very, very uh, physical. I didn't like the way his career ended here, but, you know, bygones can be bygones. He was still a pretty darn good player. Yeah, I think the last two seasons, Mike, are going to tarnish what he did prior to that. A little bit, but um, you know, when you look back at this football player, and again, there's not a lot of guys on this defensive side over the last 20 years that we're even talking about. Um, he he was one of the better defensive players that we have had over the Great. last couple of decades, and and just a really, 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 really solid, solid hitter, a guy that got to the football when need be. Um, you know, he did a lot of good things for us for a long period of time. And um, again, you know, I don't want the last couple seasons to tarnish anything he did prior to that. Nor do I, which is why he was mentioned. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> you know, he mm -hmm. deserves it and he's there. Yep. Going to cornerbacks. Yep. Uh, we've had some pretty good cornerbacks. Mm -hmm. uh, I go back to Tim Foley and Curtis Johnson in the, in the championship years. Now, uh, Tim was a third-round selection in the 1970 draft. He sat his rookie season before becoming a full-time uh, starter in 71. He held that role until 75 when he missed time with an injury playing uh, nine games. He was injured again in 76 before regaining his starting role in 77 through 79. In 1980, his last season, he made four starts. Now, Tim made the Pro Bowl in 79. He collected uh, 22 interceptions and had eight fumble recoveries during his career. He wasn't flashy like some of the others that we'll mention later, but he did get the job done. Curtis Johnson was a fourth-round selection in the 70 draft. He started 113 games in his career, intercepting 22 passes and uh, recovering eight fumbles. Like Foley, his longtime counterpart, he was steady rather than flashy and, and made up a championship-caliber unit. Yeah, it's funny, Mike. We've mentioned pretty much everybody on on that no name defense now. <laughs> Every single guy. It's pretty. It's pretty pretty funny. Uh, Foley and Johnson as a, as a duo were both very solid. I mean, Curtis Johnson is a guy that doesn't really get talked about a lot, but as you mentioned, 113 starts. I mean, that that's a pretty good NFL career. Nine seasons, right. 22 interceptions. I mean, you know, he had a he was an extremely solid football player. As was Foley. They both were very good. I don't know how you don't mention these guys when they gave up the fewest points in '72, and I think they matched that in '73. So yes. I'm, I'm not sure how you don't mention them. They were 32 and two over two years. They so. have to be. And as yeah. you look at. As you look at the list of players, Mike, you begin to realize that, my goodness, we took so many guys for, you know, uh, we, 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 for granted because of the fact that they had so many other solid players around them. But as the last two decades have, have come through us and we have seen what, <laughs> what has been put on the football field, yeah. you, you get you more. You appreciate it a little bit more. Exactly. You get more and more appreciative 
of these guys that played on these championship football teams. And as you look at the all-time list, these guys have to be there. You know, and people are going to be like, ah, Tim Foley, Curtis Johnson. But look at the list of cornerbacks, if, you know, as fans out there, if you don't agree with what me and Mike are talking about. And you'll realize that, you know what, these guys are probably right. They are deserving of being, you know, on the top, you know, one of the top uh, echelon players uh, over the course of their, uh, the Dolphin franchise in the course of their careers. Well, think about it. Those are winning teams, which means the opponents needed to throw. Yep. And they were still winning teams. So that tells you all you need to know about the cornerback play. Absolutely. Yep. Gerald Small played from 78 to 84. Now, I debated whether or not Gerald should be on this list, but you know what? He played 77 games. He had 23 interceptions. He scored once. He recovered six fumbles. I just thought, you know, he had a, he had an inconsistent career to a point. But I, I thought when I look over the rest of the names, he was actually one of the better cornerbacks we've had. You know, it's funny, Mike, because not a big guy. And I be- mm-hmm. I became friends with, with Gerald. Uh, we put a show together uh-huh. at, at, that you attended where we had the whole Killer B defense come back. I think it was maybe 10 years after they most of them had retired. And Gerald... Uh, was a big part of that. He got us a lot of the guys that we could not get in touch with to put that team together. I think we had 13 or 14 of them, Mm -hmm. including Kozlowski and some of the guys that were, you know, like part-time players on that defense. But it's funny that you mentioned Gerald because he's not a guy that you think of. Um, You know, he died at the age of 52. I mean, he died 12 years ago. He died at a very young age, very sad. Um, I miss him because we used to call each other and talk to each other every once in a while. He lived on the opposite side of the country. But, um, you know, he's a guy that I had on my list. And as you mentioned, Mike, over six seasons, 23 interceptions and part of that killer B defense. I mean, a very, very solid, solid football player for us. No doubt. Don McNeil played from 80 to 89. Now, uh, Don was drafted in the first round of the 1980 draft. He started 48 games throughout his 10-year career, uh, never completing a full 16-game season. Uh, He's best known for his missed tackle on John Riggins in the 82 Super Bowl. Oh, Mike, why? Well, it happened. Mm -hmm. Don had 18 interceptions with two touchdowns and five fumble recoveries in his Miami career. I really do believe that Don was underrated uh, for some of the reasons that I mentioned. But really, his problem was he couldn't stay healthy. Mike, he couldn't stay on the football field. And he he was a frustration to us all. Um, You know, just bad luck because this guy would have been. Listen, he had 18 interceptions over his 48 starts. And, um, you know, that's a nice number. Um, You know, that translates to basically three seasons. So, you know, do the math. You know, he he basically started three seasons over the course of I don't know how many years. It it had to be at least seven or eight, ten years. Oh, my God. I mean, that's a crazy number. I mean, it goes to show you that. They, they felt, you know, the value on this guy, but yet he couldn't stay on the football field. And the fact that he had 18 interceptions over those 48 starts tells you the kind of football player he was. He was unfortunate. I mean, you know, like a lot of these guys we've talked about, he was just unfortunate. Yeah. But if you hang around 10 years, you probably belong on this list. Absolutely. There's no question about it. And the reason he stood on the roster for 10 years because it was because he was that good exactly. a football player, yep, Mike. Exactly. You know, the the, uh, the coaching staff always felt that, you know, he was more than capable, but he just consistently got hurt. William Judson played from 82 to 89. 
Now, William was an eighth-round uh, draft pick in 1981. Uh, like Foley and Johnson mentioned above, he wasn't flashy. He started on two Super Bowl teams in 82 and 84. He racked up 24 interceptions, recovered three fumbles, and scored a couple of touchdowns during his career. Solid football player, Mike. I mean, yep. that's all I can say about that's Judson. It. Troy Vincent was here from 92 to 95. Now, Troy was drafted in the first round of the 92 draft. He uh, only played four seasons, as I mentioned, before moving on to Philadelphia, where he spent the majority of his career. He had uh, 14 interceptions and 55 starts for Miami. He scored twice and uh, had a forced fumble and three fumble recoveries. That was a guy I really had wished they didn't let go. Yeah, he got offered a decent contract, Mike, and he left. And um, he was key. When we started playing Buffalo at an even level, which we started to do, um, he was a key part of that because he was able to cover guys like BB and Lofton yeah. and yeah. Andre Reed man-to-man, whereas we didn't have guys that could do that. Now, the guy that played with him a lot, I'm going to run into J.B. Brown since we're on Troy Vincent. Okay. Because J.B. played six seasons. He had 16 interceptions. And I felt that he was an extremely underrated football player for years. I would agree with that. He didn't make my list, but I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, as I looked at them, I felt like, you know what? He was a guy that came up with some big plays in in some of the you know bigger games for us. And just an extremely solid player. And if Judson and Gerald Small are on this list, I felt that J.B. had to be there as well yeah fair enough um, okay how's that hey these lists are tough to do mike let me mention another guy because i know you're not going to have him on the list before we go on to some of the better all-time guys here which i know are coming uh, there was a guy named willie west that me and you probably did not ever see play i know i didn't i mean and, no, I, and I i'm did, sure I did you not. didn't no but willie west when i went back and i looked at numbers he played three seasons for us from 66 to 68 and they were not good football teams mike by no not means at all right but he had 13 interceptions for us over those three seasons and he was probably one of our better players on either side of the football back then so i wanted to give him a mention because that's a you know that those older teams there's just not a lot of guys there's nobody really else worth mentioning well uh, maybe wahoo mcdaniel mcdaniel yeah but but, uh, but he was maybe. only there for maybe a season or two yep. like you know he yep. jumped around in the afl back then but willie west was a solid guy from 66 to 68 he started all of our football games so i wanted to give him a mention it's it's a guy that people are hopefully going to go back and look him up and say who the hell was lou even talking i never heard of that guy but you know very very solid football player well i'll have to look him up lois absolutely uh sam addison was here from uh, 97 to 05 sam spent his first season mostly on the bench starting three games uh, from there, he developed into the one of the league's best corners, making the Pro Bowl four straight seasons from 1999 to 2002, and All-Pro in 99 and 2000. He had 31 interceptions, nine forced fumbles, and four fumble recoveries during his tenure. He started 127 games for us before finishing his career as a New York Giant. With Sam, uh, there was uh, Pat Sertan. Uh, he played from... Uh, 98 to 04. Now, Pat was drafted in the second round of the 98 draft. He started 82 games for Miami before ending his career in Kansas City. While playing for Miami, he had 29 interceptions, scored twice. He had six and a half sacks, one forced fumble, and five fumble recoveries. 
He was a two-time Pro Bowler in 2002 through 2004 and named All-Pro in 2002. He and Madison together formed the best cornerback tandem in Dolphin history. What do you think, Lou? Oh, yeah. Best tandem in the history of the Miami Dolphins. One of the best tandems that, uh, I mean, God, you put two guys together, Mike, and you look around the NFL over the last so many years, uh, it's hard to not have them up there, you know, over those, you know, over that short period of time that they played together. Uh, you know, you can look at other teams and you can look at, um, you know, our history and they were by far the best in our history and you can throw them up there just about against anybody. When they were at the peak of their games, you can throw them up against any other tandem. I would say that. I don't think we've had any that that have been better. No, we haven't. And you can look team to team, and you'd be hard-pressed to come up with a lot of tandems that were better than these two guys. Well, Um, forget tandems. I don't think we've had a single cornerback that was better than either one of them. Agreed. I'd I'd agree with that. I'd absolutely agree with that. Uh, These guys would just... Great, great players. I mean, Madison was a guy that <laughs> used to get a lot of holding penalties and a lot of pass interference penalties, but he was aggressive. Um, you know, Sertan was a much more solid player. Uh, he had he had uh, more ability, I should say. You know, Madison had to work for everything he got. Uh, Sertan was just a, just a great, great football player. He was one of my favorite players over that period of time. Very solid. Well, Sam had 31 interceptions and Patrick had 29. Yeah. So they they were pretty close. Pretty you know? doggone close. Absolutely. Yeah. They were they were both very productive players. Yeah. Uh, now I'm going to give an honorable mention to uh, Xavier Howard. Uh, he's got to show me more, you know, to end up on this list. But uh, if he can get past the knee troubles, he'll probably be there. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. We got you know the. The verdict's still out on X-Man. He's got to come back. Mike, I'll tell you what, he's got to have a solid year this year because Absolutely. Uh, you know, he can't have back-to-back seasons after signing a big contract where he's just not productive. So let's just hope that with all the defensive changes, he winds up on this list a couple of years from now. Yep. So this was fun, Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It was long. <laughs> and it was fun. <laughs> Hopefully people enjoy it out there. Well, who's who's your favorite player on the list if you had to pick one? Oh, man. I mean, JT's got to be up there. Um, you know, I was a big Dewey fan. I loved AJ Dewey. I loved Offerdoll with a passion. Um, but I mean, man, oh man, only because he's more recent. I'd have to say Jason Taylor. I mean, he was so much fun to watch. And it seemed like every time we went to games. He I, was, I tend to agree with you. He was always making plays. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say him, Mike, and to mention him because he probably is our greatest defensive player ever. But, um, you know, Baumhauer is a guy that I absolutely yes, love too. But, yes. but Jay- Baumhauer and Anderson are right there. I mean, you know, for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, tough. It's it really is, tough. It's really We've had tough. some great defenders. We we really have. We have, but JT because he did so much in between mm-hmm. interceptions and touchdowns and sacks that you you have to probably put him above everybody. And else. Let's let's consider something else too. JT played on some miserable teams. He did miserable teams. He did. And uh, he was always a force regardless. And that takes something, you know. I agree with that. That speaks to his character. Agreed. 
With that, Lewis, we'll, we'll look at the offense next week. All right. Uh, until then, I'm going to say fins up. Fins up, Dolphins. All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the FinFans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. 